Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Story time. I am a member of Native American tribe, and this happened when I was young. For context my tribe specifically is the Kickapoo tribe. We are spread out through Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and Mexico. I have family everywhere, but I live in Oklahoma. Out tribe still practices its traditional ceremonies, that is to say it's all taught old school. Outsiders are not welcome, and nothing is written down and we have several tribal members who don't even speak English or know anything about what's going on around the world. Anyway, when I was young, there was a ceremony that had to take place in Mexico every year. All families essentially have to make a trip down there. Out of respect for my tribe I won't include exactly what happens, but it shouldn't matter. All that you need to know is my grandmother has a house down there that my relatives rally at. There is a lot of us, 
more than the house can hold. Luckily it's relatively cheap to build over there. So my grandmother had a smaller house built on same property. My family, my aunt's family, and my uncle's family were there. My grandmother is a superhero, so she is helping another group of family with their ceremony, since the knowledge is all oral, and my mom had all of ours handled. The entire reservation in Mexico is located in the middle of nowhere about 4 hours drive from Eagle Pass, and once you get there it's another 2 hours until you get to the property. It's really big, and there are mountains within walking distance. My grandmother's houses are actually at the foot of one. There are no good stories that involve those mountains. They are considered a taboo place. We don't go up there except to hunt. A ceremony must be done for your protection if you have to go. I was maybe 8 or 9 at the time. My aunt lives in Texas, and my sisters, and I don't get to see our cousins very much, so these trips were the closest thing we had to family vacations even though they were nothing but long work days. We would laugh and laugh. There is no electricity over there. As someone who grew up pretty close to Oklahoma City, I sometimes forget how dark it can be when there are no cities nearby. No lights on the horizon, no cars on the road. Just finding the two small houses on property can be difficult if no one has any fires going. There is a window in each room that is barred, and the doors are all made of steel. It's not pretty, but it's necessary since no one lives in these houses most of the year. The new house is different, the windows are still barred, but they can open. The old house windows are just solid glass. My sisters and I were playing with my cousin E and M in the new house. M is my age and E is two years younger. It was well after sundown, and the headlights on my uncle's truck was the only light. It was getting late, and we I say we, but really just the parents had a long day of work the next day so everyone started moving for lights out. My family was in the old house, so my sisters and I headed to our room. It happened that night. I woke up to screams. So did everyone else. You would think I would have been panicked, but no. I was a kid who just got woken up by what was clearly E screaming at the new house. I wanted to yell at him to shut up. I wasn't scared until my dad very strong and quiet walked into our room and told us to stay. We don't disobey my dad, so we did. We went to the window and tried to watch. My dad was talking to my aunt, and my uncle along with some of my much older cousins were walking up and down the fence on our property with flashlights. It was too dark to see anything else. After an hour or so we started getting tired, so we went back to sleep, but the adults were awake until sunrise. I tracked E and M down to try to find out what happened. E wouldn't talk about it, and M didn't know. He said E saw something through the window. We all got a little creeped out. On the last day I asked my cousin G. G was one of the cousins who was walking up and down the fence that night. And as a kid he was something of a hero to me. He was a genuine tall muscled badass native with a death stare and everything. He told me what happened since my sisters weren't around. Apparently it had been hot in the new house, so my cousins had opened all the windows. E was sleeping on the floor next to one, and was awoken by something touching his face. 
An old pale naked woman was sticking her head through the bars, and was looking down at him. Her hair was long and gray, and it was what woke him. He said she was smiling. Being even younger than me, he screamed and screamed until everyone came. After that, they looked around but never found anything. I was creeped out, but was pretty sure E had just had a bad dream. So here I am years later, I haven't gone back to Mexico or Texas in a long time. I am not really involved in the traditional part of my tribe anymore. My sisters have kinda taken over now. I still help when I can, but I have a pretty busy job. I discovered Reddit Nosleep a few weeks ago, and thought about what happened with E way back, thought it might make a good story. Just out of curiosity I called my mom to ask about it. Surely I wasn't the only one who had thought E had just had a bad dream. Why did everyone take him so serious? I really wish I hadn't because now I have this feeling in my stomach when I think about it. She told me this wasn't the first time the old woman had been seen. And G was wrong. They found her bare footprints going from the window to the fence headed towards the mountains. Judging from the, the footprints they found she had visited every window on the property. It's in the middle of nowhere in the pitch black. WTF. A cryptid is in my backyard, can you help identifying it? I call it white. It has been seen by me, and two friends. It is pale white and shiny like a bike reflector. Its eyes and yellow and shiny. It is humanoid. At first it was the size of a four or five year old, but in a few months it is now at least 10 feet tall. It lives in the woods. Sorry, I'm in a rush I can add more if needed. There is more important info, but am busy. If you are interested I will add it. Edit. First, it never shows up when a camera is out. Second, here are some stories about it. The first time I saw it, it was hiding behind a tractor front bucket that was detached. I glanced at it, and saw a small white face with yellow shiny eyes, looking at me with its mouth open like a mouth breather no offense. I screamed and my cousin also saw it. My cousin and I went around those woods looking for it. It is ominous but also peaceful there. The reason it is kinda creepy that I have never seen bugs besides fireflies in there, or birds for that matter. One time we found an army man hanging from a tree branch by a single spider thread that felt threatening. The way we normally see it is a few dozen feet into the woods, just as a white silhouette. The second close encounter is this. Cousin the same as last time and I had a campfire going, I didn't know because I was grabbing wood, but he went inside to poop. While I was grabbing wood, I thought I saw him crouched in the dark out of firelight near to the firewood stack. It was man-shaped and gray, this might be a different entity I said, come help me get some wood. And then it ran away while still crouched. Its speed was like a sprint, maybe faster. Later that night we saw a white shape standing in the woods looking at us. The scariest and last noteworthy story is this. Once again we had a campfire. At this point spotting it has become a game between me, cousin A, and cousin B. We had a flashlight and torch and stood at the edge of the woods looking for it. 
Someone pointed out a huge white shape, at least seven high and six long. I think it was hunched over because the shape was like that. I pointed my light at it, and it promptly turned towards us. We ran back to the fire at that point. Cowards I know. Another thing that happened is we hear footsteps, sometimes as well as occasionally get a sense, as if being watched. This happened about one year ago during the summer. Something you should keep in mind is that, the house I had lived in had one acre of land surrounding the house. Where I had lived was near farmland. I had woken up around 8 in the morning on my living room couch, having fell asleep the previous night as well as my mother and sister who were sleeping beside me. I had planned to watch this movie I hadn't finished the previous night on my laptop, as well at eat breakfast in the dining room of my house. I had sat down at the end of the dining table, which was the closest chair to the kitchen. Keep in mind, if I leaned back in my chair I could see onto the farther side of the kitchen, where the door that led to the deck was. Which had this huge window right next to the door. So, I turn on my movie, and start to eat my breakfast as my dog trotted over to me, and sitting next to me. I believe I was about 45 minutes into the movie when my dog had switched her spot, now sitting right under the archway that led to the kitchen staring at God knows what. I felt her move, but I didn't really think anything of it, if it was serious she would have been barking like hell. About 10 to 20 minutes go by, and I glance over at my dog noticing she's still staring at something. This time, I heard shuffling or scratching over in the kitchen. I called out her name, but she just wouldn't move, so when I had walked over, I followed her trail of vision, and noticed that she was staring at the window in the kitchen, that leads to the deck of the house. I nearly shit myself when I saw something, or somebody behind the window outside, peeping through the blinds. I forgot to mention there was a chair on the deck, right under that specific window. So whatever the hell that was, had to have been balancing on the chair to look inside. It looked bald almost, and white with pinkish tone. It had been holding onto the window frame peering at my dog and I, while scratching the screen on the window with this horrible heavy breathing. I remember thinking in the moment, it was a person trying to break in, because whatever it was wanted to get in so desperately. The thing was sort of small, and it seemed as if it didn't want me to see the rest of its face, only its eyes. This whole time my dog had been watching whatever that thing was, and not barking. I'm saying this because something as simple as dropping a cup will send my dog into a fit, barking like crazy. Even a voice coming from the TV would cause a great couple of minutes of barking from her. Now, as I said, I believe someone was trying to get in. So I ran over to the couch in the living room, shaking my mother awake, and bringing her to the kitchen. And of course, whatever the hell it was had simply disappeared. I would have thought I was losing my mind if my dog hadn't had been seeing the same thing as me. I peered out another window checking the driveway in case it was a person, and they had drove a car here, but there was nothing of the sort. My mother went out onto the deck and looked around, but there was nothing there, except fingerprints on the window frame. We checked around the whole yard, and nothing was found except for the prints. 
I'm quite traumatized till this day, knowing that whatever that had been was watching me for quite a while, and I didn't know. And also the fact that, if it was a person it would take a while to get off of the land, even if they tried running away we would have caught them, because of the huge yard. I'm not living in the house where this had happened anymore thankfully. I've have other scary experiences in the house, but those are stories for another day. This occurred in the summer of 2010. My stepdad has an old hunting cabin out in Sigil, PA, about a 10-minute drive outside Cook's Forest. It's a small place with a common area or kitchen, and a single bedroom with two bunk beds and a queen-size bed. My mom, stepdad, and I stayed at the cabin for a weekend to clear out all the trash left by other family members, and to do any necessary repairs. There are other cabins nearby, but that weekend, there were no other occupants in cabins within a half mile. There are also no street lights or even cell service. This is quite literally, off the beaten path, in the middle of the forest. We arrived on Friday, worked all day Saturday, and left on Sunday. Saturday evening, after dinner and a bonfire, everything outside was pitch black, no bugs chirping, dead quiet, which is relatively normal. At least most of the time, it's pretty quiet at night. We decided to head in for the night. My stepdad and I were inside reading, while my mom stepped out to have a smoke and check to see if the fire had burned down safely. As I was midway through a page in my book, I heard my mom yelp pretty loudly. Now, I'm used to her making this yelp. She's done it when she sees a snake or gets a bug in her hair, so I didn't think much of it. She came in limping saying, someone threw a rock at me. Immediately, my stepdad grabbed his gun and ran outside, hoping to catch whoever did it. I was in shock, not sure what to think. I sat with my mom while he made laps around the cabin. He fired a few shots at the backstop we have set up on the back of the property to scare off whoever was around. Neither said they saw anyone run off or even make noise. Now, when we go up, we always make jokes about Bigfoot. And to be clear, there were no cabins on the road near us that had people staying at them, so I don't know who would be lurking in the woods in pitch blackness, fooling with people. Okay, before I tell you this, I need you to know that this is the absolute truth. My friends and I saw this. I don't have an explanation for what we witnessed, but it was what it was. It was a Friday night, and my girlfriends and I decided we would have a good time having some drinks and playing cards against humanity. We're all 21, so we wanted to have a good girls night out. We began having some drinks and playing card games when the only sober one, who hadn't started drinking, suggested we go pick up her friend because she's got tons more good booze. We only had beer, and we wanted to get pretty hammered. We decided that would be a great idea. Most of us had had only one beer at this point, and the girl who mentioned this hadn't even drank yet, so we all piled into her car. There were only five of us in total, and we began the drive toward her friend's house. Her friend lives in the next town over, and between the two towns is a lot of farmland, 
agriculture stuff like that. There's a part in the road where it wraps around this huge apple orchard. The way we had to get to this girl's house was by driving around this thing. It was dark, but the moon was shining bright, and was illuminating much of the area. It was creepy enough as it was. As we were driving, I was already looking into the orchard, seeing the hundreds of trees and the huge lot of all the apple harvesting. And I saw what looked to come straight out of my nightmare. We were driving about 30 miles an hour on this road, because, well, it was dark, and often the orchard was this thing approaching the car quickly. It was tall, looked to be in a torn-up leather-like coat or thing, but I could definitively see that it had long claws. The only thing I remember about its face was it had orange glowing eyes, and the face looked extremely disfigured, with its mouth hanging open. It didn't look like an animal, bear, dog, etc. It was very humanoid looking. I saw this thing with its mouth open, running at our car with its claws outstretched toward us, and I began losing my shit. I was screaming, and the other girls looked over and saw what I saw and began screaming, all of us losing our shit together. The driver saw, and she almost drove us off the road she was so terrified. She slammed on the gas, and we were easily doing 72. To her horror, she looked in the rearview mirror, and this thing was following our car and keeping up with it. It was closing in on the car when we approached the turn we needed to make to get to her friend's house. Instead, we just kept going straight, trying to shake this thing from our tail. Remember, where we were, there was nothing else around. There were just large, vast fields all around us, used for various types of farming and agriculture. No houses even were way the hell out here. We had passed a large bend in the road, going in the total opposite direction that we needed to, and it looked like, after some time, this thing disappeared and stopped following our car. We were all still freaking the hell out, wondering what on earth was that thing that had followed the car. I think we just kept driving for about another 30 minutes before finally stopping at some abandoned, or what we thought at the time was abandoned, gas station, and deciding how the hell we were going to get back home. We certainly didn't want to go the way we came, but it was the only real way to go. It certainly didn't help that the gas station we pulled into was creepy as hell and virtually no one else was around. We decided to all pile into the gas station, and potentially ask for help, get water, and try to calm down. We went inside and told the guy behind the counter, we were being followed by some weird ass creature, and it chased our vehicle. He seemed freaked out, but also in a little bit of disbelief, and not sure why five girls were at his gas station shop, freaking the hell out. An older gentleman who had happened to pull into the gas station just happened to come in and overhear us. He seemed really concerned. He seemed like a very nice, genuine old man who wanted to help out. He told us and offered that he would drive behind us all the way home to make sure that we're safe. He had told us that he wanted to talk to us outside before we left. The clerk inside wished us luck. When he pulled us outside, he looked around, had a panicked look on his face, and asked us where we saw what we did. We had told him what had happened again, and he told us he's seen it too, that there's something that orchard draws in, 
a negative, evil energy. He says that ever since they built it, he's felt a weird energy coming around that area. Then he went on to tell us the history. I guess a long time ago, before they built the orchard there, before they had even cleared out all the property, there was a lot of occultism going on. The land had been privately owned, and it was primarily used for black magic, an evil worship that had supposedly been going on for years and years. He even told us that there were rumors of human sacrifice that had taken place. He says because the thick forestation that that property used to hold made the perfect place for black magic rituals and occult meetups. He told us that at some point, the land had been purchased, cleared out, and an orchard was put in its place. Weird sightings of things had been reported since, and all of that really gave us the creeps. We felt safer with him, assuring that we'd be able to get through the area safe and sound. We got on the road, and he followed closely behind us. It was getting pretty late at night. I was pissed that a fun girl's night out had turned into a freaking horror movie. We made our way back to the area near the orchard, and we sped up to get past there as fast as we could. We made it back into town, and the old man, who I won't mention by name, waved at us outside of his truck window, and took off in a different direction. It's wonderful when you meet genuinely nice strangers who want to help you. We made it back safely to our house and called it a night. All the other girls went home. It's so weird because the area in which we went that night, none of us ever really go, at least for me, since I have no reason to ever go out that way. I didn't sleep well that night, and I couldn't get over the fear and panic of what we had seen, and just knowing the evil that resided in that area. We didn't get any weird vibes or felt bad, but it disturbs me that these things could have gone on. One thing is for certain though, I made sure to stay far the hell away from that area, and I'll never go near that orchard again. I'm a retired logger and wildland forest firefighter. I'm 70 years old. As a faller, I fell old growth timber. I also worked for 24 years for DNR Washington State Department of National Resources. My wife and I live one mile north of the town of Yakult, Washington. I've fished and hunted in this area most of my adult life. I also used to trap, but no longer do as trapping is now illegal in the state of Washington. I've had two experiences with the forest people on a scale of 1 to 10 as about a 2 however, one of my next door neighbor's sons saw an infant sasquatch while he was picking thimbleberries. I'm not sure whether it was on their property or ours. My neighbor's four-year-old son was picking berries. He was unaware there was an infant sasquatch picking berries on the opposite side of the bushes. Apparently, the all-white-haired infant forest person was curious and wanted to get a closer look at the little human, so it stood up and leaned closer, maybe thinking he had a new berry-picking friend. They locked eyes. That was all it took. My little four-year-old neighbor boy ran screaming all the way home yelling about a white monkey in the woods. He didn't see the mother Sasquatch, but I'm sure she must have been close by. He wouldn't go near those woods by himself for the longest time afterward. My forest people experience number one, 
So it's like 40 plus years ago, and I'm elk hunting in southwest Washington state. Back then I really didn't believe in the Sasquatch people. In fact, I didn't know anything about them. I'm walking up a gated locking logging road hunting by myself. After about a mile, I'm hearing something paralleling me about 20 to 30 feet off to my right. I can't see because there are about a gazillion little 10 to 20 foot tall hemlock trees flanking the road. In southwest Washington, those hemlocks grow like weeds alongside some of the logging roads. You can't see 10 feet through them. It's like trying to see through a hay bale. I stop, it stops. I walk, it walks. Always staying just out of my sight. Sometimes it doesn't stop fast enough, and it takes one extra step when I stop fast on purpose. Now I'm thinking what in the hell is that? It's breaking sticks when it walks and doesn't care that I know what's there. There were no other tracks or trucks in the area, so I'm thinking this is not another hunter. It's not a bear, it's not a deer. Blacktails are way smarter than that. A cougar, you'll never hear them. Elk, they make a lot of noise, breaking limbs, but they're not stupid so they're not going to hang out with a hunter. Now I'm thinking what in the hell is this thing? There's no smell, no grunts, no whoops, or anything vocal. Just that damn thing stalking me. Well, I'm thinking what if I just burst through those hemlocks and rushed whatever this was. I've got a 7mm magnum, and that should put it in the H locker if necessary. I just have this feeling that whatever it was it won. I turned around and returned to my truck. I wasn't really scared. It just seemed like the right thing to do. About seven years ago in October, on the outskirts of Yakult at my house, it was about 9 p.m. There's no moon, black as night can be. No rain, clear skies, stars everywhere. For a couple weeks, I'd been dumping milk crates full of apples in my pasture to feed the deer. The distance is about 100 feet from the house to where the pile of apples was. I don't shoot deer on my property. That isn't hunting. That's just shooting. I'm in the house when suddenly I hear the loudest wolf-like howling I've ever heard. I stepped out on the porch, and there was something just inside the timber howling. I had an 80LB German Shepherd at that time, and this thing in the trees was much louder than my dog could ever be. At this time my sister-in-law came downstairs and said not to go out there. I told her no, I'm going out there, I want to see what that is. My wife and sister-in-law were both born and raised in Alaska. They know what a wolf sounds like, and she says that's not a wolf and definitely not a dog. I agreed, so I grabbed a maglite which isn't very bright compared to the gazillion candle power spotlight I have today. On the other hand, I had my 19111 Colt 45 AP loaded with 240 grain Federal Hydroshock hollow points. Knowing what I know today, I would never shoot at a Sasquatch, unless it was truly out to harm me or worse. However, a dogman, I shoot to kill. Back to the story. I walked about 50 feet to the pasture fence and 30 feet from me were four black-tailed deer standing rigid in fear. I could have walked right up on them. They're at the apples, not eating, just terrified. If I had my dog with me, she would have just run up to the fence and bark, and the deer would run away and come back later. 
Now this next part is hard to believe, and what I experienced next was not mind speak, it was more like translating. I heard a very loud howling which I believe is louder than a wolf can make. It had a sad and frightened sound to it, like whatever was howling was scared, and yes, I said it sounded like it was scared. There have been times throughout my life when I would just know things, like when my cousin phoned early one morning, and told me his mother had passed away. But I knew it before he called. What I believe I heard that night was the plea of an adolescent teenage Sasquatch on its first solo deer hunt. I believe it had been stationed where it could see the deer as an elder Sasquatch watched. Then here I came along and fouled up the whole thing. I cannot find the words to express how apologetic I am to that family of forest people. In February 2006 at 9.15 p.m., at a small reservation outside of Albuquerque, a young boy was sent out to get a juice bottle from a parked car, and while his uncle lay on the couch he heard the boy screaming. His uncle got up to see the boy's father coming in with the boy holding his hand. The boy appeared terrified and was shaking. His grandmother talked to him and asked him what... Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...was wrong. He then said that a thing had watched him from the fence line and then came after him. He said it was about four feet tall and had red glowing eyes, gray hairy feet, long claws, and a snout like that of a dog. Human-like footprints with claws were found near the window. I try to read about skinwalkers and or Navajo witches whenever I hear of any articles or books about them. When I was a little girl traveling with my family on vacation, we came across something strange that had to have been a skinwalker or Navajo witch. It was 1967 or 1968, and we were driving from California to Arkansas to visit family. On the way to Arkansas, we were on Route 66 outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we had stopped at a rest area so my dad could sleep. It doesn't happen often now, but back then a lot of people used to stop and sleep in the rest areas. It was the middle of the night and something startled my father awake. He woke up and was extremely scared and nervous. He was trying to figure out why he woke up and why he felt scared when he saw a man walking across the desert. 
He said that he almost couldn't take his eyes off the guy, because, even though the man was kind of far out there, something was wrong. The man was walking towards the rest area from out in the desert, as he got closer, my father saw what was different about him. The man had a fur skin thrown across his shoulders, and as he walked his feet were not touching the ground. He passed right beside our car, and looked my dad in the eye. My dad said that all of the hair on his body stood up. He immediately started our car and drove away as fast as he could. It was later that we found out that some crazy guy came into the same rest area, the very same night that we were there, and shot a bunch of people. From what I was told, some of the people were killed. I was a little girl three or four years old, I was asleep when it all happened, but we never stopped in NM after that. Every year we went to Arkansas to visit family, and we never stopped in New Mexico again, we always drove straight through. I live close to the reservation just outside Mesa, Arizona. I have a couple of native friends who I just recently went camping with around 20 miles outside the valley to a place they call Three Poles. This place is considered holy land in their eyes, and is close to a river. There are numerous stories I know about this place, such as the flute player you can hear at night, or the boulder-sized splashes you hear in the river. But the most notable are the stories of the skinwalkers. We arrived at the camping site around 9 p.m. It was already dark, so we started to unpack and made a fire. Once that was done, my native buddies put up the barriers and puffed the smoke of tobacco upon us as a personal barrier. They told me never to go anywhere alone, and that around 3 a.m. is when the spirits are the most active, around 2 a.m. The beating of a drum became very clear. This is a sign of the skinwalker, they told me. At around 3 a.m. the smell of wet dogs became apparent. This is the sign of either two things, Hoofy, an extremely evil spirit, or the skinwalkers. The fire grew small, and we could see the shadows of animals. We all decided to move to another site in the morning. As the first light dawned, we packed. I sat in the back of his truck to hold down the stuff. As we left, I saw a Rottweiler walking on its hind legs, straight to the middle of our camp. It was easily five feet tall, and had bright orange eyes. I freaked out and screamed as it was running at us, still standing up. It disappeared into a bush, after we turned the corner. Later on at our other camp, an old man with his face covered up by hair visited us, and acted very strangely. We ran out of drinks, so a friend and I decided to head out on foot no car. A friend had to take it home. We saw a car. As it approached, it slowed down to a halt, and the same man asked if we wanted a ride. We said no because by this time my friends had told me the man was a skinwalker. He grabbed my arm and pulled me by his car and looked straight at me. As my friend ran up to grab me, the man took off in his car. Once we got back, I relaxed. It was around dawn when just behind me the man appeared about 10 feet away, and asked if I could help him with something back at his camp. As he did, two trucks came around the corner to head further into the grounds. He watched them as they passed, and then all of a sudden he bolted after them.
I was astonished to see this 60-year-old man chasing down a car. My native friends put up a salt barrier. I heard sounds all night, but never saw anything after that. As a teenager, I would visit my grandma at her home on the Navajo Res for several weeks every summer. I loved to spend time with her, eat her delicious fried bread, and hear her tell us stories. Every so often my grandma would hire a worker the harmless town drunk to do odd jobs around her house and property. One evening right before the sun went down, I was asked by my grandma to take him home, which was about four miles out of the valley where she lived. I was more than happy to, seeing that I was only 14 years old, and was asked to drive a truck. Mind you on the res, nobody cares that you're only 14 years old and driving around. Hell, there's hardly anybody around to see you anyway. So my 9-year-old brother jumped in the truck cab with me, while this worker, and my dog shared the tailgate of the truck, and we were off. After I dropped the worker off at the shack that he and his brothers called a house, we headed back down the road to grandma's. As I mentioned before, it was evening, and the sky was a deep red as the sun began to set behind us. We were leaving a nice dust trail from the dirt road, and the radio was playing music from the only radio station that could be picked up from the nearest town of Holbrook, Arizona. There was nothing unusual, nothing weird. It was at this time that my eye caught the movement of something in the bushes, a little up the road to the right of us. I remember slowing down thinking that it was one of the many free-roaming sheep in the area that would dart out in front of the truck. As I passed where I thought I saw it, I sped up thinking nothing else of it. Then out of nowhere I just felt this dark feeling of fear and dread. I had no idea why I was feeling this way, but I definitely felt that something was wrong. As I play this memory back in my mind, there are only a few clear memories that I have of that evening. I clearly remember looking in my rearview mirror, and seeing the dark silhouette of something very tall and very skinny, that seemed to be covered with some kind of hair or fur running behind the truck after us. Whatever it was, it wasn't a normal human or human at all. I remember hearing my brother crying and my dog barking ferociously at whatever was chasing us. I remember speeding very fast and shaking violently as the truck bounced on the washboard dirt road. I distinctly remember that this thing was only getting closer as my brother cried. It's coming up on your side. I remember being as scared as hell and thinking that I didn't want to die. At the moment I thought would be our last. I remember speeding around a bend in the road, and seeing a car coming towards us in the opposite direction. At that moment I felt instant relief, and felt that whatever was following us was gone. Shaken up but alive, we made it to grandma's house wondering what the hell had just happened. We ran inside not looking back, hoping that whatever was chasing us had not followed us home. As we told my grandma about our experience she didn't seem too surprised, which surprised us. She continued by repeating stories that we had already heard at one point or another about black magic, witches, and something that the Navajos call ye nadlushii or skinwalkers. Needless to say, I didn't even want to look out any of the windows at all the rest of that night. As a matter of fact, 
I never drove on the reservation at night, until I was 21 years old. Without going too deep into explanation, I'll just say that these skin walkers are evil men and spirits that use black magic for evil doing. I tell you that as far-fetched as it may sound, they are real. I believe that if God and his greatness are real, the devil is equally as real, and also has his ways of showing himself. This may not sound very scary to some readers, and that may be due to my lack of writing skills. But what happened that evening really did happen, and scared the living crap out of me. I invite anybody to visit this part of Arizona, if you have any doubts or want a huge scare. I promise you that you won't be disappointed. I hope that you enjoyed my story, and I look forward to sharing other experiences soon. I've seen a skinwalker once, I have never seen one since. My older brother, older sister, and I were going home for the weekend. We were coming in from Phoenix. We had to leave pretty late. It usually takes us five hours to get home which is in Low Mountain near Pinon, Arizona. We drove toward Keams Canyon Highway and took a certain dirt road that would take us straight to Low Mountain. Before we reached the dirt road we noticed a very old lady walking on the side of the highway with a cane at 2 o'clock in the morning. She had her scarf around her head, a long black jacket, and wearing a green dress. We did not think anything of it, but thought it was weird that she was walking late at night on a highway. The reservation is really dark at night, and there is hardly anyone driving on the roads. We eventually turned on the dirt road. A mile away from the highway we noticed the same old lady walking on the side of the dirt road with her cane. I freaked out. I started crying because we knew that it was the same lady 15 miles back. My brother stepped on the gas and started driving faster. He gave us some medicine to protect us from harm. We eventually got to a highway that took us to Chimel, Low Mountain or Pinon. We passed the first bridge and we noticed that the old lady was sitting on the highway with her head down waving the cane in the air. Before we could pass her the car just shut down and wouldn't start. The old lady stood up facing the opposite way from us, so we wouldn't see her face and walked across the other side of the road. She turned her head to face us and her face was painted all black. She kept walking and eventually disappeared in the distance. My brother turned the ignition and the car started. It scared the hell out of me. I was crying so bad that I never wanted to drive through the road again. When we got home we told my parents about it. My dad said that there was an old couple that lived between the two highways that did bad medicine on people. He also said that her husband had passed on not long ago, and that she walks that road every now and then. They had two kids. One of them passed away at a very young age with an unknown cause of death, and the other one drinks and huffs. We ended up driving back the longer way which was taking the highway to the junction road and going toward Ganado. It was very real and very scary. I saw a tall, pale-skinned being in my grandparents' yard in Willow Creek, California in 1994. I had grandparents' dad's father and stepmother who lived in Willow Creek, 
until their respective passing in the early 2000s. Before then my dad, sister, and I would visit at least once or twice in the summer, and sometimes for Thanksgiving or Christmas. We lived in San Jose, California at the time, which is an eight-hour drive away. We loved going to hike in the surrounding forest and playing in the Trinity River. We grew up hearing about Bigfoot the famous Patterson video was shot in the area, and the town is Bigfoot tourist heavy, but we were taught to watch out for the very real pumas and bears. I need to explain a bit about how my grandparents' house was laid out for some aspects of this story. They had a small two-bedroom, one-bathroom house set at the corner of two streets. The road into the neighborhood off the main road ran along the backyard, and the house ran along the other road off of that road. Several houses ran on each side of the street, and a house sat behind their yard. Chain-link fencing six feet tall went around their backyard and most neighbors' yards instead of solid wood fencing, so you can see into most yards. From the street in their house, it slopes down into the backyard and neighbor's yard by roughly 10 feet in total. Their backyard was mostly just grass and weeds with a small semi-growing garden near the neighbor's fence line and a big tree maybe oak of some kind, next to and partially over the solarium. They had a raised deck running the length of the back of the house with stairs down into the yard at one end and a solarium off their kitchen at the other end. Inside the house, the kitchen and dining room are immediately next to each other with the living room and front door next to it. At the back of the living room is a short hall with a master bedroom behind the kitchen, and along the wall with the deck on one side, and the bathroom and guest room along the wall facing the side street on the other side. Grandparents of course got their master bedroom, dad would take the guest room, and my sister and I would sleep in the living room in winter, or in the solarium if it was summer. This story takes place in mid-August 1994. One last summer trip before school started in a couple weeks at the request of my sister for her ninth birthday earlier that month. I was 11 at the time. We left early to get there before dinner so dad could nap from the drive a bit while me and sis went down to the portion of the Trinity River that ran at the very back of the neighborhood. The afternoon and evening went as usual. That night, we went to sleep in the solarium, as was the custom for summer trips. At some point in the night, I woke up. No real reason, not even to go to the bathroom. I just have always done that from time to time, even still. I did what I usually do and stared up at the stars and moon around half visible, couldn't tell you if it was waxing or waning. All of a sudden, I got an intense feeling of dread that skipped fight or flight to straight, freeze, or you're dead. After some time most likely just a minute or two, I turned my head to the side to look into the yard. I had to turn to my side and lift myself a bit to get a better look, but the source of my feeling was impossible to miss. Standing at the bottom of the yard next to the neighbor's fence line stood a tall skinny creature with skin the color of the moon. It had no hair on its head or anywhere else that I could see. Its eyes were shiny white with a reflective quality, but not bright like a bright light was shining on them right then. Just moonlight. Its face had human features but seemed squished and flatter. Its arms seemed really long, 
but that could be just because it was really tall. The chain link fence came up to its armpits, so it had to be around 7-8 feet tall. Not enough to just step over the fencing, but I didn't hear it climb over unless it had been in the yard before I woke up, and just didn't get the dread feeling until later. Its body had dirty brown dark grey looking rags over its chest, and around its hips covering its crotch. It was looking right at me. I got scared and ducked down into my sleeping bag as far as I could. My sister has always been a heavy sleeper, and I didn't want her to wake up for this anyway. The next thing I hear heavy steps on the deck coming towards the solarium. There's a wood door with a screened window on the top of it, not opened at the time as far as I can remember. All was quiet for a while, so I peeked out through a small fold of the sleeping bag. Through one of the bottom windows of the solarium next to the door, I saw its pale large feet. The skin was rough, and the toes were gnarled with dirty nails. I curled up trying not to make a sound or move much. The bag was getting stuffy. The next thing I know my dad is gently moving me with his foot asking if I was cold because I was still huddled down into the bag. I looked around kind of disoriented. There was no evidence of that creature from the night before. No marks or footprints or bent fencing. My dad was a huge skeptic of anything paranormal, cryptic and otherworldly, but I told him anyway. He of course blew it off as a dream. Sis, being a deep sleeper, didn't notice anything. I asked my grandparents if they heard or felt the thumping on the deck, which would have been along their bedroom wall. Nope. Both seemed weirded out by my story, and my grandma later privately told me, there's lots of strange things up here. That's why we avoid being out at night. She wouldn't elaborate though. It's obviously not a classic Bigfoot, but I don't know what it is. I've wanted to ask someone from the Hoopa Native Americans up there, but I haven't yet. I've never seen anything like it since. Although I have experienced plenty of paranormal things, those are different stories. It was 2008, my family lived in rural Nevada, and my dad was a hunting guide and convinced my mom to move up to Alaska. We made the 3,000-mile drive along the Alaskan highway through Canada, spending a particularly large amount of time enjoying the Yukon Territory. We had three vehicles, all large trucks with trailers full of stuff. If you've driven along the Alaskan highway, there are lots of very large rest areas. My dad built an enclosure atop his tailgate of the truck, and built a room with windows in it so my brothers and I could hang out, and not be strapped into a seat the whole drive. My dad being an avid hunter had some real trouble getting his 30-plus guns through customs into Canada. But once we were cleared he kept a 500 caliber revolver bear protection in the cab with him. It was so late I don't know what time, but was incredibly dark outside, and we stopped at a rest stop somewhere outside of the Leard Hot Springs, British Columbia area. Give or take 50 miles, I was young. We were all asleep when all of a sudden we heard several gunshots coming from inside the cab of the truck. My mom was hysterical, and the other driver of the other vehicle was outside with a shotgun, my dad, and he approached the edge of the cleared rest area, 
and all I could see was a very dense wall of trees. I didn't get to see it, but when they had parked, the lights were on and illuminating the wall of forest. My dad was just looking ahead when all of a sudden he realized an immensely large figure was standing perfectly still just at the edge of the tree line. He didn't notice it though until it stepped towards our truck. He recalls its eyes being incredibly green, and the reflection of the headlights made its eyes almost glow. My mom and the other driver's girlfriend were in the porta potty just to the left of the trucks, so my dad immediately pulled out the revolver and started shooting as he was terrified the figure was going towards the porta potties. After the first shot was fired, he said he'd never seen an animal react so fast and with such ease. I think about this night a lot and figured I'd get the story out there. Some extras, it was not a bear whatsoever, my dad had been a seasonal traveling hunting guide for a few years at this point, and had bagged several bears from black to brown to grizzly. We've driven that road several times since this night as we've been back and forth between Alaska and Nevada for years, and have not had another encounter. Still gives me insane chills though. My close encounter took place in the Colville National Forest in Washington. In September 2023, I was tent camping six miles up Sullivan Creek Road with my dog and things were pretty quiet that weekend. Even the ranger station back in town was already closed for the year. It was my third night camping there and I was supposed to leave early. Something spooked my dog while we were sitting at the fire that night and knowing that no one else was camping out there, I let her bark it out. She hadn't done that on previous nights, but she's a sharp dog, and I assumed she just heard a deer. However, she didn't stop after five minutes, so I had to grab her and try to calm her down at the fire, but she wasn't. But she was in full guard dog mode. I've been working in the woods as a field biologist for 10 years, and I've heard dozens of Sasquatch stories from co-workers, but I'm unfortunately someone who has to see to believe it, so to me, they're just good stories. Feeling like I knew all the critters I could expect out there, I didn't think much of her barking. Anyway, we got into the tent and fell asleep around 9pm. Later, I jumped awake from a dead sleep at the sound of a spine-chilling scream very close to my tent. It's hard to describe or imitate, but it sounded angry, loud, and unlike anything I've heard before. I felt like it was screaming with its face directed right at my tent. It only lasted about 10 seconds, but it felt like forever, and I just sat there listening for movement afterward, trying to imagine what could make that sound, and what I needed to do next. It went silent so I laid back down hoping it went away. But about 10 minutes later I heard it. A big tree fell from a different direction, but still very close to me. I opened my tent. Looked up to see if it had gotten windy trying to justify a tree falling, but all the branches were still. That was it for me. I jumped out and did a quick scan of the campground with my headlamp, and then threw all my stuff in the back of my rig, including my scared dog, and I ripped out of my campsite. But I was stopped by the tree that had fallen within 100 feet of my spot fully blocking the only road out. I only had an axe with me, 
and I wasn't about to start chopping in the middle of the night. Not being able to explain all these events I parked back at my campsite, and tried to sleep in my car, but that didn't happen. About five hours later I saw headlights behind the fallen trees, so I walked out to find a group of bow hunters trying to get in. They said they didn't pack a chainsaw because there was no wind in the forecast. I told them it wasn't windy at all, but I didn't mention the scream because I felt crazy. They were set on hunting up there so luckily, they came back with the chainsaw a few hours later. Here are the photos I took of the tree to show how big it was, and where it broke 5 feet above the ground. I looked for other downed trees or branches on my way out, but I didn't see a single one. When I got back into cell service, I looked up screams including cougars, foxes and fishers, but nothing matched what I heard. That something spooked my dog, and then she made it mad with her barking, which in return got us screamed at, and a big evergreen falling within 10 minutes of the strange scream, really has my head spinning. I've been in Alaska for more than two years, and I'm stationed in Fort Wainwright. Every so often we go to field missions, and where we go is super isolated. Me and a few guys were tasked to drive down this mountain that we are currently doing our training on, and we replied, yes, reluctantly because we just wanted some real food, rather than the emres we have been living off of for the past few days. While two of the soldiers were ground guiding me and my battle, I'll call Knox, out of the runway, we noticed it started to get dark. Fast. Being on that mountain is hardly ever any light, unless it's from the moon. But just to get a general idea, you could see the northern lights easily. As we drive, Knox is telling me he has to urinate really bad so I just tell him to pull over. As he began to pull over, it got extremely quiet. I felt as if someone punched me in my gut, because I started to get this strong sense of something watching me, and I started to get goosebumps. I took it with a grain of salt that maybe it was just the MRE making my stomach hurt, and the weather making the hairs on my skin stand. But then I felt paranoid, and I've never felt this way before in the field because I've been here numerous times before. As he walks back to the truck, I see the foliage on my right hand side fall, as if weight was being forced on it. I tap Knox's shoulder, and tell him to look in my direction. It was a moose, but it looked oddly skinny, and the antlers just didn't look normal. Our eyes got huge, and he responded, what the hell is that thing? I stammered because I wasn't too sure what it was either. He buckled up and pressed the brake, but we heard, help, coming from the direction of the moose. My heart dropped, and I felt the heat leave my face, and I looked at him asking, did you hear that, or was it just me, he replied, Bro, I heard that. He laughed nervously, and we turned off the truck and shined our headlamps towards the moose's direction. We are 89B, so we carry our standard M4s with us in the vehicle when we are transporting ammo, whether there is anything in the cans or not. Just because it's for our safety. Knox and I looked in the cab to just verify we had our weapons on us, and we did. I jumped out of the cab, and he followed with our headlamps still on the moose. We walked closer and the word, help, 
was getting louder and louder. We got a few more feet closer, but not extremely too close to the moose, and it ran back into the wood line making me and Knox jump. We looked at each other, and we were both probably thinking the same thing. Did that moose just cry for help? I told him I was getting cold and he agreed, so we paced back to the truck as fast as possible. As I closed the door, we heard the words, help, but louder than what it was earlier. I got that gut feeling right after I heard the words and looked into the dark wood line and saw red eyes. I gulped and told him to look, but he put the truck in drive and sped off. We talked for a few minutes about the situation and complete silence followed right after. When we got done with the mission he sped up the mountain to get back to where the rest of the company was, and he didn't say a word. He sleeps on the cot next to me, and he didn't speak to anyone about the situation. I'm a bit shaken by the situation myself. Whatever it was that called for help, I'm sorry I never went into the woodline.